How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Hey, thank you for tuning in to episode one of Chomping at the Bit podcast. Uh, on this episode, I'm going to touch on the NBA bubble, uh, get you caught up on the action that's happening, happening down in the Orlando bubble, and as well, going to look forward to the NFL season starting on Thursday. But um, I'll get more into the NFL later on in the episode. But I want to start off with Game 5 of the Celtics vs. Raptors series. As coming into tonight's action, the series was tied at 2. But um, the Raptors had won the previous two games after the Celtics won the first two. So momentum was in Toronto's corner. But uh, looking at Game 5... Uh, Jalen Brown came out and he he was great tonight. Last game he couldn't buy a bucket until about the fourth quarter where he hit a couple of threes. You can see his demeanor change and that he was he he was uh, as down on himself as he was in the early part of the game, and that translated over to tonight's game where he scored 27 points in 37 minutes. He was attacking the rim. He hit some outside shots. He broke down the defense, made a couple plays up to other guys. He had a big dunk on OG and Anobi in the first quarter. So he definitely had a bounce in his step that he carried with him through the rest of the game. The Celtics also got back to their calling card of great defense. I mean, it was it was it was great to watch. They were flying around the ball. They kept Lowry, Van Vliet out of the paint. Once again, they kept Siakam under control. Uh, Siakam has been a big disappointment in this series because when the Raptors lost Kawhi Leonard, they were looking at Siakam to be the next guy to step up and lead them and he just has not done that at all uh, I know when this series started there were questions about you know whether Siakam would be the best player on the court or whether it would be Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown uh, but yeah Siakam has not been good other than the last game he was decent but every game outside of that he there's a lot of times you don't even recognize that he's on the court which has been a big problem for Toronto because they need him to play well in order to beat the Celtics team 
Uh, I mean, the Celtics team is a title contender. It'd be tough, but they have the weapons on offense to get it done, and they play great defense on the other end. So, with the Celtics now up 3-2, the Raptors are going to have to... I mean, they have to, I mean, it's their season's on the line Wednesday night. They lose, they go home, they win, force a Game 7. And when you get to a Game 7, anything can happen. So they're going to need Siakam to play better. They're going to need Lowry to step up. Lowry hasn't been consistent throughout this series, but he hasn't been as bad as Siakam. And Van Vliet as well, he's been up and down. As of right now, their consistent players have been Ananobi and Ibaka. But that is not... Those aren't the two players that the Raptors want to rely on in order to move forward. They need to get production out of their top three guys, Siakam, Lowry, and Van Vliet, to kind of counteract Celtics' top three guys of Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker. Who Kemba Walker has slowly uh, started to assert himself in this series as he's realized that Lowry and Van Vliet can't really guard him. So he gets to his spots, he's pulling up from three, and he's been kind of a headache, especially in the second half of these games. But, yeah, so I'm expecting the Celtics to close that series out on Wednesday and get some rest, I believe, probably like a couple days before the Eastern Conference Finals start. But I expect them, like I said, to close it out game six and make the conference finals for the be the second time in three years. But last year was actually the year where they were supposed to contend for a title. But uh, the Kyrie Irving experiment like ran off the tracks and this past offseason... They let him go to Brooklyn, and they brought in Kemba Walker, and that trade of superstars has been perfect for the Celtics, as Kemba Walker is a guy who, he's always on the court, he's got a big smile on his face, he looks like he's having fun, he has no problem, uh, you know, giving the ball up to other guys who might be having a great night. And still smiling about it. Last year, it looked like, you know, Kyrie would let Tatum and Brown have their moments. But then there'd be times where he would just become ball dominant and try to do things on his own. Which really hurt that team. But this team is more together and they're playing well. So, so yeah. But the Raptors can't figure it out for game six. Their season's going to end. And, I mean, they've had a good season. You know, their best player from last year, Kawhi Leonard, leaves, goes to the Clippers. And they're still a top team in the East. Um, had a great record. And there were some experts who were picking them to beat the Celtics this series. 
which they still could because they're not out of it yet, but I'm just expecting the Celtics to close out game six. The other game that happened tonight was the was game three between the Clippers and the Nuggets. And the Clippers won that game to take a 2-1 series lead. Uh, the, you know, the biggest thing for the Clippers was they held Jamal Murray in check, which a lot of teams haven't been able to do because he's been, he's turned these playoffs into like a coming out party, but he really struggled tonight. Uh, you can thank Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, and also uh, Montrez Harrell, their big man who is athletic enough to guard the guards out in the perimeter. So, yeah, they were they were able to keep him in check. Jokic had a great game for the Nuggets, but it wasn't enough to pull out the win there. Uh, the Clippers got a great performance from Kawhi and Paul George. That's their superstar duo. And if they can get both of them playing well on the same night, they are pretty tough to beat because they're both guys who do it both ends of the floor. Uh, they can both get you 25, 30 points on offense and they can play lockdown defense on the other end. So because of those two, to many experts, the Clippers are the favorite to win the title this year. Um, I can say that I would agree with them. But I would say it's not going to be like a walk for them. It's going to be tough. Because even if they get past Denver this series, uh, they'll have a tough matchup in the Western Conference Finals. And I think, you know, based on the teams that are left in the East, uh, they'll get a tough matchup in the NBA Finals as well if they were to make it there. So... Um, so yeah, so now for game four, which is also Wednesday night, this is also Wednesday night after the Celtics Raptors game six, Denver's going to have to try to get Jamal Murray some open shots. I would suggest that they would probably maybe put the ball in Jokic's hand more at the top and run Murray off ball that way he doesn't have to bring the ball up kind of get the offense started or create for himself because against this Clipper team that's tough the easy way to attack them would be you know have some uh, back screen action to get guys open get some like uh, some guy slashed into the hoop to penetrate the defense, create mismatches, and attack them that way. I mean, it's tough to get mismatches because a lot of their guys are interchangeable, but you have to be patient enough to find a matchup that works in your favor and then attack it to kind of get at the Clippers. If you come down and shoot you know, contested outside shots early in the shot clock, you're playing into their hands because they're a pretty good rebounding team as well. 
between you know Kawhi and his long arms and George is a willing rebounder so it's Beverly uh, Patrick Beverly um, Harold's a great rebounder and Zubots has great hands down low and you know he's he's the guy that they don't talk about a lot but he does a lot for that team he does a lot of dirty work and he room protects for them so so yeah we'll see how game four goes and you know and we'll you know look back in on that series and see how that one's going so those are the two games tonight uh, with the bubble atmosphere. There's two games tomorrow night. And with that, you have Bucks Heat Game 5, where the Heat are up 3-1 in, in the surprise of the playoffs so far. Uh, most people thought the Bucks were going to win. Uh, the series against the Heat go on into the Eastern Conference Finals. Probably win that series, as most experts thought the Bucks were a title contender. Some thought that they would win the title this year, as they have the Defensive Player of the Year and MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, on their team. But he's actually hurt right now, as he rolled his ankle in the last game and he was seen leaving the arena uh, with a walking boot and a pretty noticeable limp so I'm not sure if he'll play in game 5 but even if he does I think this series is over if you look at it the Heat should have won game 4 which would have made it a sweep but Middleton did all he could for the Bucks to win game four and they pulled out in overtime and even Jimmy Butler after the game said that when Giannis got hurt they kind of let up a little bit which I'm not going to understand but I don't see it happening two games in a row so I think the Heat will close that out in game five which if they do if my prediction with the Celtics closing out, you'll have Celtics heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. But we'll see if that happens and we'll preview that on another episode. And then the nightcap for tomorrow night is Lakers Rockets game three. Right now that series is tied 1-1. So this game will kind of be will be a momentum swinger as game one the Rockets came out shot the lights out and really confused the Lakers and they took game one Lakers made the adjustment in game two as well as the Rockets didn't shoot as well in game in game two as they did in game one and the Lakers took advantage of those missed shots uh, they pounded the Rockets inside with AD in the paint. Uh, LeBron got, got some baskets at the hoop in the paint. Got a couple of dunks. Some easy layups. 
which then opened up his outside game. Uh, you know, after getting a couple of dunks or whatever, he was more comfortable taking three-point shots. He made a couple of them. And then, you know, once he makes those shots out there, uh, the team plays a little differently. They have a little more, you know, bounce in their step. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. A lot more emotion in their game. The bench is more involved, so. So that's what happened in game two. Uh, plus Westbrook had a terrible game for the Rockets, which I don't expect to happen in game three. I think he'll come out. He'll be very aggressive. Because uh, Westbrook is a very emotional player. And when, you know, after a bad game, he usually comes out fired up the next game. And if he can make his mid-range shot, then you'll know he'll probably have a pretty good game. If he comes out game three, shooting from the perimeter and is bricking a lot of the shots the Rockets will probably be in trouble. I'm going to say the Lakers take game three. But in no way do I think that this series goes any less than six games. Would not be shocked if it goes seven. Which if it does, you never know what happens in the game seven, so... It's anybody's series. Um, so that's the so that gets you caught up on playoff action right now. So I guess with some more uh, bubble news, uh, the, the NBA still hasn't had any positive tests in the bubble, so they're still doing really well with that. Um, I know when they first announced the bubble atmosphere. I was worried that the game wouldn't, you know, translate as well on TV without fans being there, you know, creating that playoff atmosphere. But I got to say that the NBA has done a great job with the virtual fans and by making the bench area a little bigger the players seem to be more involved in the game. So the players on the bench are up making noise. You actually get a lot of trash talk between players on the court and the bench, which brings like a little added 
intensity to the, to each of these games. Um, you know, the announcers for the most part have been pretty good. Um, you know, the refs. I don't know. It seems like the refs kind of let the games be a little bit more physical this year than they have past years. I don't know if that's anything to do with the bubble. I don't know. But the games have been, you know, great to watch. Um, it's been like a coming out party for some of the young younger guys in the league. Like Jamal Murray has been great. Tatum's been great. Donovan Mitchell is great. Luka Doncic. Uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, Kawhi. Paul George. So... You know, the NBA has, like, rising stars in their younger players, which is good. Because, you know, LeBron's not going to be around forever. And, of course, they'll be, they'll be looking to, like, the next guy to take the league and run with it for the next 10 years or so. Oh, Zion Williamson, of course. Uh, got some exposure in the playoffs. Well, at least in the seeding games, they didn't actually make it into the playoffs. But yeah, it's been a good showcase for, like I said, young stars to kind of make a name for themselves. Um, the coaching, like some of the, well, I can't say younger coaches, but some of the coaches that are that have been down in the bubble and in the playoffs now are being recognized as you know for what they do if you look at it the teams that are left there are some pretty good coaches left you have you know like Doc Rivers with the Clippers uh, Mike Malone with the Nuggets uh, you got you know Vogel Frank Vogel with the Lakers Mike D'Antoni with the Rockets Brad Stevens, Nick Nurse, who won Coach of the Year for the Raptors, and Eric Spolster with the Heat. I mean, the Bucks have Mike Boonholzer, who's probably the weakest coach of the bunch, which is why after the Heat closed them out Game 5, I would not be shocked if he lost his job. Um, there was just too much... Too much anticipation with this Bucks team for them to lose this way in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I don't that's not gonna look good for him. Like I get it, Giannis is hurt now. But even before that, he was getting outclassed by Spolstra. Um I mean of course I'm not gonna put all the Bucks failures on Boonholzer. Because the makeup of the team, I have never been a fan of their team. Because they rely a lot on Giannis. Even though Giannis's offensive game is very flawed. He's not a great shooter. And when he takes to the hoop and he gets fouled a lot, he's not a great free throw shooter either. Um, I mean, he's still really young, so he can develop. But right now, his offensive game is very limited. 
I mean, he does make up for it defensively as he won Defense Player of the Year. Because, you know, he's a great defender. He protects the rim. He has long arms, so he's he gets a lot of steals and pass deflections and all that. But, yeah, they, they built that team around him with a lot of guys who haven't proven a lot in the playoffs. Which is evident now as they're going up a against a scrappy heat team and it just seemed like between the heat being scrappy and the bucks kind of going about this year as like the team of destiny that felt like they could just kind of show up and just dominate and then once the heat punched them in the mouth they kind of didn't know what to do so they've so that they folded up and the Heat have taken full advantage of it. So I'm expecting there to be a change in Milwaukee. I wouldn't be shocked if they brought him back, but yeah, I, I don't see that happening. And, and of course, you know, there's been a few teams that have made decision to let their coaches go well their coach go so like every year there's going to be job openings out there uh, right now we know the Sixers job is open which will be that's probably a, I mean it's, it's a good job because you'll be going into it knowing that you have two young stars already but with those two young stars there are a lot of questions so you gotta make some decisions on that it's still an attractive job just a challenging job you got the pacer job that's open where I feel like that's a that's actually probably a better job than the sixer job because there's a lot of pressure in Philly to win now Whereas in Indiana, I think there's a little leeway that if you're a consistent playoff team and, you know, you show growth, you'll probably keep that job longer. Um, I mean, outside of those two, there's the Bulls job where, you know, it's low expectations right now. It's a franchise kind of in transition as they've changed a lot of their front office personnel. But there's some young talent to work with. So if they bring the right coach in, that's a team that can, you know, get the right move here or there. Maybe able to turn it around within a couple of years. Um, there was the... Brooklyn job until they signed Steve Nash now that is an interesting one because Steve Nash is going in there with a lot of expectations because you have Kevin Durant coming back from his Achilles injury next year you have Kyrie coming back from his injury as well next year and with those two Nets fans are expecting championships so you have to show 
success right away with that team. Um, you know, those are the jobs I can think of right off the top of my head right now, but you know, every year after the playoffs, there's always a couple of other jobs that open up. So, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'll keep you up to date with any coaching changes and all those, all that breaking news as it comes. Um, so that's kind of everything going on with NBA and the bubble. And as I said in the intro, you know, NFL starts Thursday, um, which I cannot wait because this NFL season, I think is going to be, I don't want to say the most unpredictable, but I don't know. Something about this season, I feel like there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be some teams that you probably aren't expecting a lot from that may do better than you think. And there are some stacked teams that might flame out a little bit and be a little worse than you thought. But I'm, I'm excited for this season. I uh, hope you guys are too. Um, like I said, uh, probably tomorrow, Wednesday. I will do a season preview episode uh, where I can, you know, I'll go through the divisions, come up with all the biggest news of each division in terms of players leaving, players coming in, give you my predictions for division winners and playoff teams, and I may even give you a Super Bowl prediction but we'll see um, so you know wherever you are listening to this if you want to like get in touch with the show you can go on the Twitter page at Chompin Podcast like if you want me to if you have any like questions for your team you can drop them down there in the preview show I can you know go ahead and give you my prediction uh, if you want me to like I don't know let me let you know what your team could do to turn themselves into a contender this year you can talk about that if you just want me to uh, give you like an outlook for your team you can put that down there as well but um but yeah, definitely look forward to that episode because I'm ready for this season. I mean, I said I'm a Celtics fan. I'm also a Patriots fan. I know some of you listening might be rolling your eyes at that, but you know, I'm from Boston, so I'm a Patriots fan. And I know I'm intrigued to see Cam Newton up there see what he can do as well as some other changes they've made but save that for the preview show and um, so I guess with that it's a good place to 
end this show but like I said uh, wherever you're listening if you're on YouTube or Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts whatever definitely you know like follow or subscribe whatever uh, it is on the platform that you're listening to uh, comment section definitely tell me what you liked about this episode what you didn't like any questions comments whatever drop it down there or like I said on the Twitter page at Chompin Podcast uh, you message me topics you'd like me to cover or kind of whatever if you have a a question like an aspect of a sport or something that you don't understand you put that in there Uh, because like I said not just for hardcore sports fans if you're a casual fan or just getting into sports you know welcome you to listening hopefully I can let you know a little something about sport you may not know about so like I said appreciate you listening and uh definitely catch you on the next episode all right why why if you why? have t-mobile 5g home internet you might be hearing this why a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users why, why? good question why not switch to cox internet with two times faster download speeds than t-mobile 5g home internet during peak hours okay stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion 